It's a story about, uh, in Pete Carter's book, Raising Lazarus, where a pastor goes to a village, I believe it's in Mexico or a South American country, and asks the question, how come you're seeing so much of God? How come you're seeing so many miracles? How, much, how come you're seeing so much of the kingdom come? You don't really have loads of resources, loads of books. And the simple answer was this, the little we know, we do. Mm. Mm. And he goes on to talk in that chapter about um, um, spiritual malabsorption, which is we hear so much and we hear so much and we hear so much that in a year I probably hear, I think, something in the region of 150 preachers a year. And uh, I can read book after book after book and we can read loads and loads of the Bible, but um, how much of that is really being absorbed? <laughs> and so this morning we're going to look at a topic we've probably heard many times before, but I just believe there's something about repeating, there's something about going over again, there's something about looking at things again so that we absorb it. And I'm actually going to preach a verse I've, I've kind of mentioned so many times, but I've actually never preached on it in my life. So in one sense, it's not, it is something new, but we've kind of referred to it many times, and it is... And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, verse 3, talking about demolishing strongholds. Demolishing strongholds. Around us all the time is an invisible war that's going on. All the time. An invisible war. There is a battle going on all the time and sometimes we can think well the spiritual battle is out there somewhere it's a spiritual battle in the community we can believe it's a spiritual battle between different faiths and different um, outlooks and different religions but Paul says in these verses it's really a battle for your mind Mm -hmm. there's a battle for your mind that the greatest asset you and I have is actually our minds uh, I love that quote by Bill Johnson. It says, the only closed heaven is between our ears. <laughs> heaven is opened. We're seated with God in heavenly places. The only issue is in our thinking and do we believe it? The truth is that whatever gets your mind gets you. It's how powerful this is. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart so he is the battle is for our thinking the greatest asset we have is our mind and again I've told you this story many many times before as an 11 year old um, I, I began to become quite anxious and fearful about making a mistake um, I began to become quite fearful about um, that, that somehow I could make a mistake that could lead to a fire, that could lead to theft, that that could, could lead to a flood. And I began to develop quite long checking routines, quite anxious checking routines. Whether that was OCD or not, it certainly had some of the symptoms of <clears throat> that obsessive compulsion disorder. And so those routines would would go on and I, I look back and I think I'm not sure whether or not it was true or not but it felt like my routine was maybe I don't know if it was really two hours but it felt like it was a lengthy amount of time before I could settle um, multiply checking a door multiply checking different things 
um, when I became a Christian, that mindset didn't just suddenly disappear when I came to know God and came to know um, his love. In fact, I became, I became quite nervous about the idea that I could do something to offend God, upset God, that I would become um, careful about checking conversations. Had I said anything wrong? And so for me, I came to realise that this kind of thinking is a stronghold. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient mm. to Christ. This verse is hugely powerful for me. And verses like, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, were lifelines in the process of seeing this stronghold demolished. And so whilst on one hand I believe it's true that people can suffer from, say, depression, and it's a physiological thing, it's a biological thing, and there's nothing wrong with going to the doctors and saying, I've got depression, I can't seem to get out of this hole. And doctors can prescribe tablets that can boost the serotonin level. There's no shame in that, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctors and talking about those things. We wouldn't be ashamed if we had a kidney problem. We shouldn't be ashamed if we're struggling with an area of depression. There's nothing wrong with that. But for the vast majority of us, our great need is to pull down strongholds. Our great need is a battle for the mind. That whatever gets your mind, gets you. Apparently, Paul only mentions this word stronghold in this one passage. And a stronghold, as we know, from military and war, is if you are going to um, advance an army, you need to create a stronghold. You need to, um, to, to press the enemy back, you need to create a fortress, a place that you can operate out of and advance out of. And Paul is saying, in our minds when we come to Christ, that though we're born again and though we're a new creation, a new cre creature, and the old has gone and the new has come... We can still come into this new space of coming out of darkness into light and out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. And yet there can still be these, um, these strongholds, these places where the enemy has arguments and things that we believe that he can advance out of and influence us. A stronghold can be something that operates in a whole culture. So cultures can have a world view that a whole culture can be um, influenced by a spiritual stronghold. So materialism isn't just about owning things and having things. It's the belief there is no world beyond the world that I can touch, see and understand. That's why in the Western culture our world view means that we see less miraculous things than in other <coughs> cultures who have a stronger understanding that this physical world is not the only world that there is and that there's an invisible realm. And so that can yes. influence them both positively and negatively. It's a world view. 
They can, these strongholds can also operate on a personal level. So a stronghold could be described as, it's a mental block. I just can't see things the way that you see them. It can be a blind spot. It can be just a mental battle. And so you can spot strongholds by asking the question, what am I always trying to prove? Is a way of seeing a stronghold. What am I always trying to prove? Am I always trying to prove that I'm competent? Am I always trying to prove that I've got skills? Am I always trying to do things to get people's approval? Am I always pleading with people? Do I have a perfectionistic attitude? Am I always trying to prove I can manage everything perfectly and get it all right? Is it I've got a preoccupation with danger, that I see danger absolutely everywhere? That there's a stronghold of anxiety, fear or worry. That wherever I go, I'm anticipating danger. I'm, I'm anticipating that something could go wrong. Particularly if you are protecting something, you can feel that if anything touched that, then I would be nothing and I would not be worthy anymore. It can be things like insecurity. I was reading in a a blog this week by Chris Vallotton where he was comparing secure people with insecure people. And so these can be a list of strongholds. Insecure people, they spend a lot of time comparing themselves to others. That's a mental block, it's a stronghold. Insecure people can fear strong and gifted people. They can feel only comfortable around people who need them. It can be, I need to control everyone in, the, in my world. It can be, I build cases against people in my mind to feel better about myself. It can be, I take people's compliments of others as an insult to myself. It can be, I think me instead of us. I'm overly self-conscious. I live in conflict all the time. And so we can have those as strongholds in our in our mind, it can be insecurity. It can be, I'm constantly living with hopelessness and guilt. That it doesn't matter how much I sing the songs and read the verses and take communion, I just don't believe that I am righteous. I'm fixated upon my sin or I'm fixated upon condemnation and this opens up a route for accusation. That is a stronghold. It can be, I'm constantly feeling guilty. It can be unforgiveness. It can be resentment. It can be confusion. It can be regret. So these are strongholds. So Paul is saying, we don't wage war against these things like the world does. On the contrary, that we have divine power to demolish Arguments, speculations, conclusions, beliefs and ideas that we give weight to. It's good news. So even if any of those lists you think, well, that's me, you've just described me. Well, that's not, that's not, that's not bad news. It's not bad news to go to the doctor and the doctor says to you, I know what's wrong and there's a cure. <laughs> it's good news. It's good news when you realise, well, I didn't realise that 
I feel rejected all the time and whenever I see people and they look at me in a certain way, I think they don't like me, it's good news to know that you've got a stronghold of rejection. Because now you also know that you've got divine weapons to pull them down. And that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That there's no limit to the amount of transformation that you can have in your mind. There's no limit to the amount of freedom that you can enjoy. Because we've got divine weapons. And that's great news. So strongholds are fortified arguments. They're speculations. So a stronghold can be this. If you see danger everywhere, a stronghold will kick into gear like this. You'll you'll be full of speculations. For example, someone is late home from work. And your speculation will be, they've had an accident. And they're dead. It will be immediately, you'll jump to the worst possible conclusion. A hope mindset might think, well, maybe they're back late from work because they've got a promotion. Maybe they've just got a congratulation at school and they're going to be awarded with a certificate. Speculations, when they're a bad stronghold, bring us to a place of hopelessness and despair. We think, well, something bad must have happened. A hope stronghold speculation means that we jump to the conclusion something good has happened, not necessarily something bad. So strongholds are beliefs their ideas, things we give weight to. Strongholds, our brains put confidence in and trust as being true. Now, a stronghold generally wasn't built in a day. Mm. We didn't just one day wake up and think, wow, there's an insecurity stronghold or a rejection stronghold or I'm just preoccupied with proving something stronghold. They got built brick by brick, fort by fort, day after day. We just learned to see life that way. That we maybe had an emotionally charged event in our life. Something particular, the really big strongholds happen because of emotionally charged events or words. Someone significant said this to you. And after you reviewed it, you revisited it, you reimagined it, you thought about it again and again and again. Sometimes it can just be, I, got, I think I got a stronghold from watching Little House on the Prairie. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the episode where Laura Ingalls goes blind. That, I remember watching that as a kid. Is it Mary got, went blind? Yeah, Laura didn't. Mary went blind. I, I, I only saw it once. I couldn't stop thinking about that episode. It absolutely terrified me. The, 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 the terror, the fear, the anguish, the agony. And I reviewed it and I reimagined it and I revisited it. And and I would just be absolutely terrified of, of that topic. Yeah. Fear got in. So it, it's not just that a mum or dad said something. It's not just a teacher said something or a husband or wife or just an emotionally charged event that happened with people. It can be something got in because of something you heard or something you watched. I, I remember David King. I went over to David King's house when I was 12 and 
he had a he had a video cassette recorder. Now, for those of you who don't know what those are, you used to have to put a tape into a machine, and it only used to be able to record two hours, unless it was in fuzzy long play, and then you get four hours. But David's mum had let him record a particular horror film, and 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 David David said, "Do you want to watch it?" Does your mum let you watch those? Of course she does. Never ask a kid. <laughs> I wasn't actually didn't really have permission to watch it, but I watched it. And the fear and the anxiety, because I've got this imagination that's vivid, I got a stronghold of anxiety and fear came in because of of watching that particular particular film. And so strongholds get built brick by brick by brick. It's what we constantly hear, we start believing. What you say over yourself, what you constantly hear yourself saying, if you say, oh, stupid, stupid me, that's a negative declaration over yourself that you've just put another brick into the stronghold. You're not stupid. Clumsy me. I'm so forgetful. You're building... You're building thought by thought, revisiting, reimagining, reviewing. That's why faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yes! So we need to be the biggest <laughs> encouragers of ourselves. Yes. You know, we need to be hearing so much Bible, yeah. and we need to be speaking it to ourselves all the time. What does the Bible say? Amen. What does God say? And so we're not, we are not battling who we are, we're battling what we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, I just don't have the personality to be... Uh, I don't have the personality to be a spiritual person. No, you've just come to a conclusion about yourself, but that's not who you are. It's just what you believe about yourself. I don't have the personality to be able to go on the streets and love people and, 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 and share the gospel with them or, or pray for the sick. No, it's just you've come to some conclusions about yourself. Like it says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say something different. Let the weak say something different. It's like the angel prophesying to Gideon, mighty man of valor. I'm going to tell you something that you've not heard about yourself. And then Gideon says, I've got an argument with you with the least of the least of the least of the least of the least. No, I'm telling you. What does God say about you? That just because you think it, doesn't mean it's true. Mm. It's not the, just because it's a conclusion you've come to. It could well just be a blind spot, a mental block, a mental battle. That what we feel does not validate truth. It just gives us an indication of what we really believe. So beliefs have to be judged by the fruit that they are producing. Every thought has to be judged by what's the fruit of this belief. For example, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So if a fearful thought comes into your head, the source is maybe your own stronghold, your own thinking, or it's, or it's, the, or it's, a, it's a spirit that is whispering fear, but it's not you. You can dismiss it immediately, because God hasn't given us a spirit that fears. 
Every thought has to be judged by the fruit that it produces. That we challenge every thought that does not produce hope and joy. And we challenge every thought that robs us of our confidence in who we are in Christ. We tear down any belief that contradicts who God says we are. 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says to Timothy, fight according to what? The prophecies that were spoken over you. What has God said? Who has God called you to be? The prophecies, the things that God has declared over you, we have to humbly come under them and say, this is what you say about me. This is what you say about the people in my life. This is what you say about my circumstances. God, this is what you say about yourself. So I'm going to tear down beliefs that contradict who you say you are and who you say I am. That's why Paul says we demolish arguments. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then he says we take captive every thought to make it obedient. If you notice that thoughts, strongholds, don't just surrender. That blind spot, that way of seeing the world, that interpretation of reality, won't just surrender one day. It's not just going to put its hands up and say, I've been with you, this issue of fear, I've been with you for 25 years. It's been effective in holding you back from functioning and believing and trusting. I'm just going to surrender. It doesn't do that. Paul says you've got to go and take it captive. That thoughts need to be arrested, taken captive, made to submit. You need to control them, conquer them and bring them into submission. That's where the divine weapon comes into its into its reality. So if you're just jolly going along with it and you just see the world through that lens and through that world view and just agree with it, there's not going to be much of a battle. But the battle begins the moment you say, I'm going to arrest this thought, I'm going to take this thought captive, I'm going to make it submit, I'm going to conquer it, I'm going to bring it into submission. And some of us would be aware already, I know this is the way I see life. I know this is the way I interpret relationships. I know this is the way I see the future. I know this is the way I see God, that somehow he's a distant God, or he's an angry God, or he's a frustrated God, or he's irritated, or he's just about to blow his top with me. That is not biblical. So those thoughts need to be conquered, brought into submission, and taken captive. It's a proactive thing. It's a, it's a powerful, liberating thing. That God can cast out a spirit in a second. Just like that. Six encounters I've had with that kind of breakthrough. But he will not cast out a mindset. He won't cast out a mindset. You can have the dynamic encounter with Holy Spirit that brings you into a place of fresh opportunity for freedom... 
but there's still the decision to co-labor with God in the day-to-day living yes. and say, that thought is going, I'm not agreeing with that thought, I'm taking it into captivity, I'm making it surrender, yeah. I'm having another thought, I'm agreeing with God. This thought opposes who God says he is. It's not true, it's not biblical, it's not accurate. I'm taking it captive. And so changing a belief can be a violent thing. Yes. It can be a violent thing. And that spiritual growth and comfort don't initially go together. And this is where I think we sometimes can get stuck. Because we want something, and we said this at the conference last week, we want the zappage, zap me into the promised land. Just take me out of the pain of this stronghold and bring me into the freedom of the land. When God says, I'm looking to co-labour in process. I'm looking to co-labour in process. You see, Joshua could have got the whole land in a zap. God could have just said, I've scared them all. And he had. Rahab said that. We've heard about you. (laughs) And we're scared about you. The people who didn't know how scared the people were were the people who were going in to get the land. And so God wants to give us the promised land of freedom. But just just like Joshua is fought by fought, stronghold by stronghold, belief by belief, Trusting God. That's our part. And if God wants to turn up and speed it up and make it quicker, he can do it. But our part is to co-labour with God, to agree with God and saying, I will will take that captive. Mm -hmm. That growth feels good after, rarely during. Rarely during. So we want to hold those two wonderful things in tension. Believing God for the sudden breakthrough of God. Believe that. And at the same time recognising my part is to trust. My part is to believe. My part is, is, is to uh, take things captive. My part is to walk according to his prophetic promises. To fight according to the things that God has said about me. God is so kind, he, he brings things and opportunities around again and again and again. You know, some of the lessons we think, I haven't learnt it, well, here it comes around again. It's going to take you, taking that thought captive. No, I, I want to learn it another way, I want it to be a different way. No, it's going to be, you're more powerful than you realise. You're more capable than you realise. God says to Joshua, you are able to make your own way prosperous and successful by the way you walk, Joshua. You can choose courage over fear. You can choose to meditate on the promises of God. You can choose to believe who God says you are. You can choose to believe that everywhere you step, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. You're powerful. You can make your own way successful. And you can make your own way prosperous. And it comes round again and again until we say, I'm willing to embrace the pain of change. I'm willing to embrace the discomfort of believing something that's completely different to what I've ever believed it before. That you love me unconditionally. That you love me fully and freely. That your love is not dependent on my activity but based upon who you are and who you promise to be. I believe I'm loved. And then that, that stronghold comes back. No, it's about your performance. It's about how well you're doing. No, that's not the truth. It's not about my performance. It's about Jesus' performance on my behalf. And you come back again and again and again. So building a 
new stronghold and tearing down an old one is a journey. That it takes time to undo a mindset. That we build new muscles in our thinking through long-term intentional thinking. Concentrated focus. It's not just about resisting a thought, it's about replacing a thought. It's not just about, I mustn't think that, I mustn't think that, I mustn't think that. No, what have you got permission to think? What have you got permission to fix your mind on? Paul says in Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on what is true, honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and, and worthy of praise. Ask, what do I specifically need to believe to tear this particular stronghold down? What do I specifically need to believe about God and about who he says I am? That's how you guard, strengthen and renew your mind. I want to finish with this thought. It says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This is really important that the weapons we fight with are, they're, they're, they're we. It's a community thing. It's not a silent battle. It's not a, a, a solo battle. That we, we get transformed and we demolish things through interconnection and relationship yes. and being dependent. That it's through deeply connecting with people who know you. Who, who know your wrestles and know your struggles and know who you are. It's about having people in our lives where we can be vulnerable and authentic. It's about walking deeply with people and truly being seen. It's where people around you know your prophetic promises, who know who you are, who, who speak encouragement, exhortation, edification, and build you up so that when you're weak, they speak to you and say, Hey, mighty man. Hey, mighty woman. Do you know who you are? <laughs> You've got to be in community to yes. have that. Amen. Got to be known to have that. Someone's got to know who you are. Someone's got to know the promises that you carry. Timothy, fight according to the promises. Do you know who you are? Amen. Do other people know who you are? Do other people know the promises that you carry? Do they know where you struggle, where you're vulnerable? Do they know that the, the strongholds where you're coming out of and what you're seeking to believe God? That, that Christianity is not just a me and God thing. It's a, it's a me and God and us. Amen. That every seed of revelation that you get through a personal encounter with God has to be planted into a culture of I'm relating to people who know me. Yes. Confident. So if we're ripping down the stronghold of insecurity, then confident people are these. They celebrate others. Mm. They're comfortable around gifted and powerful people. They love empowering people. They spend a lot of time thinking about the destiny, calling and dreams of others. They see themselves as a catalyst to the destiny of others. Every person who's a believer here has the capacity to be a catalyst for other people to go further, higher and, and faster. They love themselves and are comfortable with who they are. 
is an amazing verse. The Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in Plumstead. Strongholds that says it won't work here, it doesn't matter here. Mm. Poverty mindsets, hopelessness, despair. Mm. Worldviews that create tension between people groups. Mm. The spirit who lives in you, who lives in me, is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Finish, Finish with this story. Pete Carter and a team from Eastgate are in North Norfolk and they're going to do a healing rooms and it's really busy and they've just come from big morning meetings, there's not a lot of time and it's not set up and they're thinking a few people will turn out but 50 odd people are already waiting outside and they're not ready and Pete Carter just reminds them that it's the reality that the same Holy Spirit who brought resurrection to Jesus' dead body is in you. Yes. So a a stronghold can be, it's about me and it's about my preparation, it's about how much I pray and how loud I pray and how long I pray and whether I can beg God. Biblical stronghold is no. The Spirit who's in me is greater than the spirit of sickness or physical sickness. The spirit who raised Christ from the dead is in me. So anything could happen. Anything could happen. Come on. And so a lady comes in. Ten years previously, she's had a stroke. She was only 20-something. She's had a stroke. She is blinded in her left eye, can only see people fuzzy with her left eye. She's got a growth on the back of her neck caused by the stroke. And her spine is distorted. She sees with her eye, the thing disappears from the back of her neck and her spine goes straight Amen. immediately. Amen. In North Norfolk. <laughs> because somebody, somebody believed it wasn't about our preparation. Amen. It wasn't about how long we pray. Come it was that, the spirit who's in me. Amen. The spirit Amen. who raised Christ from the dead is in me. The only closed heaven is the one between our ears. We think, what if nothing happens? What if something does happen? Yes. That's a different mindset. That's a different stronghold. What if something happens? It's a young man, another story, who believed that when he was out in the streets and someone said they were an atheist... He believed nothing would happen because atheists have no hunger for God. They don't believe that God exists. And then he started renewing his mind with this thought. When I meet an atheist, God always turns up. So he's in England. He meets a bunch of teenagers in a park. And one of them says, not interested, I'm an atheist. He gets really excited. Atheists, God always turns up. When I'm around an atheist, talk a little bit more. And, they, and he said, do you want to feel God? And he, he, he well, put your hands out. God will touch you. He touched all of them. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and something broke in their school the next day because someone had renewed their mind with the thought God always turns up when I'm around an atheist. I invite us to stand and pray for us. <clears throat>